Saturday morning, hour number two of Handle on uh, the Law. And uh, we still have uh, several hours to go, needless to say. Phone number here if you'd like uh, some uh, advice, which I consider, uh, which maybe you consider good, described as marginal. I consider, well, worse than marginal, but uh, whatever. 800-520-1-KFI, 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. All right. Uh, Florida. Oh, all the wonderful things happen in Florida. Now, uh, a scenario that you have heard of uh, so many times, and that is a uh, suspect being taken into uh, being uh, Jailed, right? Arrested, fingerprinted, jailed. If uh, he or she is high, given a sobriety test. And so this is a case where, and then, of course, uh, pulling things out of various places on the body and after uh, doing a cavity search or just watching. So uh, there's a woman who uh, was driving along, right? Uh, There she is. And uh, she is driving erratically, so the police pulled her over, and uh, the cop reported uh, smelling burning marijuana and spotting a vape pen. Her eyes were glassy, her speech slurred, so I immediately went out and uh, did a sobriety test. Uh, She said she'd been at the doctor's office where she had received Botox injections and was uh, taking Xanax and Percocet uh, and Subtex. It's used in opiate addiction, and uh, But she did say she could take the sobriety test, the field test, and uh, noticed and told the uh, policeman she couldn't put all her weight on her left leg, and she had had a boob job earlier uh, in, uh, well, weeks earlier, but was okay. So uh, after she failed, of course, uh, the field test, she was arrested on DUI charges, and the deputies uh, found uh, vape pens, hash oil, brass knuckles, and a pocket knife. So at the jail... The uh, police noticed that she was trying to pull something out of her rear end. And they just let her go at it. And they're all bemused watching her fiddling around and having to go to the bathroom back and forth. I mean, I guess the cops found it uh, quite entertaining. An affidavit uh, says she'd been at it for quite some time. So uh, she went to the toilet where the deputies fished out two plastic baggies where she had been sitting, dissolved pills were in the toilet, and upon being asked, what are these, she said nothing was in the baggies. The cop said, you know, I pointed out that no one would attempt to hide nothing uh, where you put those baggies. And she kept refusing to tell him and say they were empty bags, empty bags, empty bags. So uh, what was she charged with? Uh, Driving... Uh, while uh, suspended license, possession of marijuana, possession of hash oil, possession of drug paraphernalia, introduction of cap uh, contraband, interrupting or tampering with evidence, and uh, all the obviously uh, having a, a sore rear end, I, I would think. All right, uh, it's uh, phone calls for sure. Uh, Mary, we'll start with you. Hi, Mary. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Yes, ma'am. Um, I, I don't know if you realize this, but you're sort of a a matchmaker, maybe, because I want that 61-year-old lawyer to possibly take an elder abuse anti-receiver um, uh, lawsuit. Um, I, I think you should call it Don Quixote, because only old people know 
who Don Quixote is. Oh, now a lot of people know who Don Quixote is. Uh, A lot of people. That uh, that was the guy who used to train horses in Finland, I think, and was one of the great horsemen of all of Finland. Do I have that right? Okay. No, he was an idealist. Ah, okay. Almost almost there. That was close. All right. So I, I know, like, it's hard to get a real lawyer. Because I don't have 400 an hour. Okay, but, but maybe he charged less to take equity in the crapped out house. So you want a lawyer that'll take equity in a house that practices elder abuse? Yes. And we had a phone. And property. we had a phone call earlier uh, that there was a 61 year old man that had just passed the bar and was looking for cases. And so you're trying to connect a 61 year old with taking an elder abuse case. Exactly. Okay. So. Um, who will take it, I assume, on contingency or take uh, a lien against no, the house? I'll pay him 100 an hour. 100? Well, all right, 100 an hour. Now, does it matter does it matter that a lawyer has absolutely no experience and doesn't even know how to spell elder law? I don't care. You don't care if a lawyer has no experience, huh? As long as he's passed the bar, I'll do all the work. What What do you mean you'll do all the work? You're going to do all the I, research? I write my own legal documents. I love to do it. It's my hobby. Then and why I'm don't you just, then, uh, is, is this for you? Of course. Then why don't you, if you, then, wait a sec, then why don't you represent yourself? Because, because last time I lost, they say only a fool represents themselves. Well, you're, let me, uh, a 61-year-old lawyer who has never written a document regarding elder abuse in his life, uh, that's probably uh, less competent than you are, my dear. But he has Esquire behind his name. So what? You can represent yourself. I did that, and I lost. So why do you think someone who has Esquire behind their name is going to somehow win the case? And by the way, was the case dismissed? What? Was the case dismissed? No. I, there's, got, there's a guy getting $400 an hour to, to take Esquire. How did you lose? Mary, how did, how, wait a sec. You lost the case. How does, what does that mean? I'm court now. So you haven't lost? Well... Well, I have because he, he won the, the state law. He, he won the superior court. i got to take it to federal court now. But those people cost a lot of money. Oh, I see. So you lost the case, and now you're appealing the case. Exactly. Yeah. Ah, well, appeal. By the way, you'll never find a good appeals lawyer that will charge $400 an hour. Those guys are six, dollars $700 an hour. Because I'm of, looking for somebody new. Because they're – all right. Well, you, you have the word out, and – uh, leave okay. your you know, leave your name and number, and if Mister Sixty One Year Old Lawyer, who's never done a case in his life ever, who just passed the bar, and uh, you think is going to file an appeals, now I have been a lawyer for over thirty years. You know that, Mary. Well, why don't you you represent me? Sarah? The problem is, I would never. I don't have the skill set to write an appeal. I would never dream of writing an appeal. I just don't have that skill set. That's right. I get it. So, but you want someone with no skill set just because they have Esquire behind their name? Well, it's better than just me alone. No, it's not better than you alone. I'm telling you, you are more invested in this. You have more experience in this than that lawyer does. Are you impressed just because someone has Esquire behind their name? That means nothing. Well, maybe it means something. But uh, not a whole lot. So anyway, it's fascinating how people are impressed with lawyers. Uh, Never get that. All right, Ivory. There you go. Hi, Ivory. Welcome to Handle on the Law. What can I do for you? Hi. um, I took out a two-year warranty contract with a termite company, and... In, and that was in 2016. In 2017, I started noticing that 
my wood was drooping on the corner of my house, yeah. so I knocked on the wood. There were termite findings. I called the representative that initially treated my home, and he stalled me for a couple of months. I finally called the, the main office and explained to them what was happening and that my floorboards were loose in my home. They sent their representative out. He exterminated again and did another inspection, told me that I now have subterranean termites. So he says, you can get an extended warranty. Mind you, I was still under the contract of the old warranty, but he had seen what was going on underneath my house, and he had written, which I didn't notice, would repair excluded. All right, what do you mean so you, didn't, I, wait, wait, you didn't notice it, so you didn't read the document? Um, we were talking. So yeah, it doesn't matter, but you didn't read the document. No, I didn't know. Okay. No, I didn't know. All right. So you now subterranean uh, uh, termites, I guess that were treated. Uh, so they did treat, but it said wood repair excluded. And okay, let's go okay. on. Okay. So at this point, I accepted another invitation from another company to come and do an inspection. That was in July. Now, mind you, March is when both termites were treated again. The other company's findings were I had major infestation of both. So I contacted the state of California Pest Control, and they had no record whatsoever that this company had ever been to my home to treat. So they told me— Why, would they, they, why would they have a record of it? Because why would the law, state of Why would the state of California keep a record of a termite company going to your house? Because by law, they are supposed to submit a WDO form— notifying them that... Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know that. So they have to... Uh, all right, so I... They have to do it within 10 days. Wow, I didn't know so, that. Okay, so every time they treat, they have to let the state know, we just treated a home, here's the address, right? Right. Wow, so okay, they, news to okay, me. Okay, so they told me they're in violation, and that's an internal thing. So I ended up filing a complaint with the state of California. In the meantime, the owner of the company wanted to give me $750. All right, let me, I mean, you know, I, this is going on forever, okay? This is taking okay. way too long. So the bottom line is they're in violation internally. Uh, you can sue them for all the damage uh, based on the damage subsequent to their coming in and treating, and then uh, you can argue that they had not, had they, had they treated correctly, all the additional damage wouldn't have been done. I don't think they can defend even based on the fact that uh, they were in violation of the law. That's probably they were in violation of that uh, that ordinance or that statute, it would be. And uh, you got a small claim suit. That's it. And now when you say you bought an additional warranty, was that from the termite company or, or a third provider? No, from the same termite. Okay, yeah, you're, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, you okay, have to go I'm- yeah. You have to go out, get another termite company to straighten all of that out, including the termite damage, treat everything, and uh, just sue them in small claims court. Okay, now my question is, I would like to know what type of attorney do I need? Small claims court. You sue, no, you sue it in small claims court. You don't need an attorney. Okay. The damages damages will not be more than $10,000. Okay. All right? And uh, and make sure you tell that complicated a story to the small claims judge who's probably going to throw a book at you because they want it all done in 30 seconds. If it's possible, they have uh, – they are uh, – how do I put this? They have less patience than I do. Is that fair to say? Uh, we'll be back. This is Handle on the Law. If only yesterday.
everybody on a Saturday morning handle here, hour number two, 800-520-1534 is the phone number. Welcome back. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Hi, Mike. Welcome. You're up. I have. Uh, I want to marry a woman with financial baggage. Yeah. How much liability am I going to have with uh, that? Yeah. Let's just start with marrying a woman. Period brings you baggage and lots and lots <laughs> of it. Okay. And this is experience talking. So uh, that's that's a problem number one. Uh, problem number two. You probably don't have a lot if you separate everything out. Uh, you certainly don't want to assume her debts. Uh, if you haven't signed on to any debts, you don't want to. If you have, if you put money into a community bank account where both of you own it, that can be attacked. So if you separate everything out, her account, your account, and for example, let's say if both of you are, are both of you working, or is it just you, no, or is it just her working? What? We're both working. We're and, both working. Okay, and does she make a reasonable living? Not really. Okay, but is she going to pay any any of uh, the bills, or are you going to pay them all? She says she is. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah, I have one of those at home, too, who said that. That was 30 years ago. Um, they're, uh, all right, if, if you're going to pay all the bills, then uh, you make sure that you simply pay the bills. You write out a, a check on your account, so nothing. she has nothing to do with it. If she is going to pay uh, some of it, then what you do is what I would do is set up another account, a household account, where the money goes in and out of that mortgage, utilities, that sort of thing is paid. That's the cleanest way of doing it. Then you're fine. Then you're going to have no liability. I have two houses. Then you make sure they're kept in your name. And if it's... If, can she go after my no, house? No, no, she won't be able to. If you have the house prior to uh, the prior to the marriage, and it was bought uh, with money, obviously prior to the marriage, it's yours. You're not buying it with community assets. There's an issue as to uh, you the money you pay. Is she entitled to a portion of the value of the house as it increases? But no, you really don't have to worry about it. Hey, uh, let me ask I you how, how much in writing? Uh, oh, and I would do a prenup on top of that. Hell yeah. Uh, how much financial baggage does she have, Mike? Uh, could be about maybe twenty-seven thousand, maybe. Uh, it's not or the a judgment. Yeah, that's a judgment. She can go bankrupt on it too, you know. If well, she if she doesn't if she doesn't have a whole lot, she can go BK on it. Yeah. Then uh, then you hit it on both sides. You yeah you have, well, a, you have to get a lawyer for that prenup thing. Uh, uh, I would, I would. I mean, how much? Let me ask you, how much do you earn? And how much uh, are you worth, Mike? I'm probably about uh, seven hundred eighty thousand. I probably earn about sixty thousand a year. Yeah, I would I, do a prenup. I've pre- been sixty-five years old. I yeah, I, I still, uh, I still would do a prenup. How old is she? She's uh, forty-three. Oh, yeah, trophy wife, huh? All right, um, yeah, uh, pay pay for a prenup. I would. It's going to cost you a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred dollars. But then you go to bed, and you don't worry about her. You don't worry about her running off with the pool boy. Uh, you wonder why would a 47-year-old woman be with a 63-year-old guy? You know, well, I, maybe you have the biggest schwanz on the planet. I have no idea. Maybe you're the best roll in the hay. Uh, I, I don't know. Okay, Bill, I just wanted to know if I'm going to be liable for her bed. You are not. You are. See, you start with that question. And, uh, see, I could have just said no. That would have been a quick phone call, wouldn't it? But it's more fun. 
finding out what people are about, how much money they earn, how good they are in bed, uh, that sort of thing. See, that's important stuff. This is Handle on the Law. Handle here with a legal show right up until 11 o'clock. Leo Laporte at 11, and then from 2 to 5 o'clock is Neil Savedo with the Fork Report. Tonight at 6, Mo Kelly, 6 to 8, 8 to 10 is Brian Suits with the Dark Secret Place. Uh, and then uh, from 10 o'clock on till forever is the uh, the Martian Anal Probe Show with uh, the Overnight Coast to Coast. Which, yes, which actually... I like it. George is a great guy. He's just out of his mind. Uh, That's just it. I mean, he's just crazy. All right. uh, Let's go back to handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Steve. Hello, Steve. Hi, Bill. How are you? Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, for some reason, uh, I've been listening to the show, uh, you know, sort of during the week uh, to the tape of it. And, you know, people are having a, I, I have a hard time understanding the questions. So, lots of diction. Uh, where are you from, by the way, uh, Steve? I'm from Israel. Oh, you're from Israel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you have to sound like an American. Okay. okay. No, no more accent. Okay. Okay. Repeat after uh, me. I, the I, rain I, I, in Spain falls mainly on the plane. Now, go ahead. Uh, what's your problem? My problem is like that I own a commercial building since the 80s. I ran the business in it. There's an auto repair, body shop. Okay. After the riot, I rebuilt the place, and I was promised everything is going to remain the same. And now I'm retired, and I rented for a smog station. And now somebody want to do auto repair. The city told me I cannot do it, only smog, because... I haven't rented for auto Wait, 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 wait. You have to do a, a smog station? I'm confused. No, I ran a... Uh, I, I ran oh, I see. Station. I got it. You ran a body shop that did smog. No, I ran... I used to own a body shop there in auto repair. Yes, so auto repair. Did, and they okay. and they did smog uh, checks, correct? Yeah. Okay. And, 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 what yeah. Is this, and now you can't do it anymore, or they can't do it, correct? No. What happened, uh, the guy... Uh, uh, left uh, the smart station left, and now I want to rent it for auto repair. And the city says they want nine thousand dollars to go to a review board, see if I would be qualified for it or not. All right. So, what's your question? My question: uh, Why can I get my, my grandfather did law? Because you, be, I'll tell you, you can't get a grandfather because has it been continued as a smog station the whole time? Yeah. I rented the smoke station up to the Okay, smoke. yeah, I think you probably could get it uh, grandfathered in unless the, the law says you can't and you have to keep it up to par. And I, I don't know and I don't know the answer to that. You can you can argue uh the the grandfather clause in there since you've had it for so many years, but I know uh, they wouldn't wouldn't listen to me. They said that You have to appeal it then. The Steve, you have they to the Steve, you have to appeal it. How do you appeal? You ask for an you, you ask for an appeals form. You call up uh, whatever agency, probably the Air Quality Management Board. You call them up and you uh, ask for an appeal form because you want to appeal it. it. Well, and how can I get a phone number? You just look it up on the internet. Uh, under what? 
Uh, well, you just do search words, uh, you know, smog uh, check uh, facilities, appeals. I mean, uh, no, no, I, ca- I can rent it for a smog station, but they wouldn't allow auto repair. Oh, all right. Well, you appeal that. To whom? To the people that wouldn't allow. Who is saying no to the auto repair? The city of Compton. Okay, the city. Now you're starting an auto repair business or it has already been there? It's been auto repair for 50 years. Okay, so now you're saying they won't let you do it unless you spend $9,000. Okay, you appeal that decision. You go to the city and you talk to the city attorney and you appeal it. Attorney? Yes, you appeal. No, you, uh, yes, or you, uh, whatever agency said no. But I would get the form from the city attorney's office. But it doesn't matter. Ask for the form there, go on the internet, and just start doing some search words. I don't have the phone number handy here. I don't know who you're going to appeal to, but you have the right to appeal. Now you get to do the research. I know. Do, you, do I have to take a lawyer for that? No, no, I would appeal it yourself. And if they say no at the appeals, then you get a lawyer. The rain in Spain falls mainly on the plain. Juan! Hi, Juan. Uh, Welcome. Yes. Thank you. My parents want to do a living trust. Um, do they need a lawyer to do that or something that we can just do? Okay. It all, it, it all, in my opinion, it all depends how complicated it is and how much money is involved. Okay. Not, not that much. Three homes and probably 100000 Uh back. Yeah, you can do it yourself. You can you can go on the internet and uh, they have okay. forms and it's very easy and it's a couple hundred dollars or one hundred fifty dollars to do a, a simple will and trust and uh, yeah and then there's a, there's some controversy about that because you know some people say that uh, that's not sufficient and you really need a lawyer and you know who says that by the way lawyers that's who say that lawyers Clark hello Clark you're up welcome to handle on the law yes. Good morning. Long time listener, first time caller. Excellent. My stepson has been working in a bar as a waiter for 10 years. Three months ago, the owner decided. Turn off the radio. Re- oh, turn off the radio I- in the background. Okay. Because we have a delay and it's very disconcerting. All right. Uh, your stepson's been working in a bar for 10 years. Go ahead. Yeah, right. He worked on salary plus tips. Radio, uh, uh, Clark, radio yeah. in the back. Radio in the background still. I can't get it off. You can't turn off a radio. You don't know what the off, but where the off button is, right, Clark? Yeah. What fa- what facility are you living in? Maybe you can get one of the techs to come in and help you with that. Okay. All right, no, go ahead. We'll live. We'll live through it. All right. Okay, okay, okay. Three months ago, the owner decided he would pay tips, but no salary. Okay. How do you feel about that? How do I feel about it? Well, if I owned a restaurant, I would keep the tips, and the, I wouldn't pay salary either. But that happens to be against the law, Clark. That's what I'm thinking, Bill. Yeah, it's against the law. You can't do that. He has to pay salary. He's in serious violation of the law if he doesn't uh, if uh, he doesn't uh, pay a salary. Now, the tips issue is a different issue. Uh, they can pull the tips, and then the owner can decide who hands it out uh, or how much everybody gets. 
And uh, that's the owner's call. And then, of course, uh, is the owner allowed to take part of it? I, I don't know. There have been lawsuits about that. But not paying salary uh, is completely crazy. He has to pay. Who do, who do I call? Uh, state, uh, I would call the state, uh, the uh, labor board, because he's in violation. And it's uh, Department of uh, Industrial Relations, State uh, California Indo- Department of Industrial Relations, and there's a wage enforcement division, Okay. All right, and when, and when you do call, by the way, make sure you have the radio on in the background so no one can understand what you're saying. This is Handle on the Law. And this is uh, KFI Handle here, 800 Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you, my dear? Well, I have a question. Um, I, I don't know if this would be considered wrongful in ter- uh, wrongful termination, but um, I was fired from my job yesterday, and I've been there less than 60 days. Well, my third week on the job, um, I had went into the office and had asked the boss a question. And his cousin, who also works there, happened to be in the office, and there was three or four other guys. And Grand I'm the only girl that works here. Well, um, the cousin rips a big stinking fart. Nice. And I didn't notice, okay? How do you know? So that's hard. Question. It's hard to notice uh, one of those, I know, especially very Well, you yeah. know, I, was, I, was, okay. I wasn't in there long enough. Yeah, I got so it. Okay. As I, as I left the office, I was um, called back in and was stalled asking, he was asking me some stupid questions that didn't pertain to the job or anything, just so I would notice. <laughs> Lovely. Oh, it sounds okay. pretty. Okay. It sounds pretty juvenile, now, now, doesn't it? I used right, to do that exactly. in junior totally high school. Unprofessional. Yes. Not it's uncouth. Yes. You know that's a behavior I expect for my teenagers. Okay. So, so last Friday I arrived for work and the doors are locked. The cousin who was let in through the office walks through the shop and unlocks the side um, employee door. Well, he opens the door and proceeds to moon everybody in the parking lot, exposing his genitalia. Mm. My boyfriend dropped me off for work that morning, and he called HR to complain. Now, I get fired yesterday, and I wasn't given a reason. They just said this isn't working out. Okay. So is that considered assaulted? Oh, how clever is that, huh? You should be doing this show. Uh, yeah. I mean, is this? I mean, this is did it this sexual did, assault? Did, yeah. Did this actually happen, or you just? I'm not making this up. Right. I swear to God. All right. This well, happened. Uh, first of all, they can fire you from every uh, for any reason they want, and uh, I mean, I'm assuming. And, and if the name of the company is Expose Yourself Incorporated, uh, then you've got a big problem on your hands, don't you? Uh, they can yeah. fire you now. Uh, you it's you can argue hostile work environment, and that's what they fire. But uh, it, none of that. It's within sixty days. Uh, no, you you, they, you 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 go no place with that. And why would you even want to work there? I don't. But it's not the point. Yeah. Well, the point is, is that you can't. Uh, I'm you, offended. You, yeah. I'm good. Good. And. Uh, now, I would find it hugely entertaining, but that's the difference between uh, the mean, two yeah, of them. I mean, yeah, I did have a good laugh about right. it all week long. My but, stomach hurt so bad because, you know, I had to play some booty songs all day long at work. All right, yeah, but, know, but, but no, you can't, but you can't do anything, no. 
because under the 60 days and they get fired for any reason. I mean, somewhere down there you can argue with a hostile work environment, etc. But no, I don't think so. Don't think so. Hello, Ray. Ray, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, I got a, a quick question. I moved to Nevada uh, 2016. First property, I'm there for about half a year. They go bankrupt. Hang on. Uh, wait, you know what? Hang, hang on a minute. Uh, you know, the, for some reason, all of these calls, I'm having a hard time understanding. You're, you're not on a speakerphone, are you? No, I'm on a headset, wired headset. Yeah, that's what's so bizarre about these. Uh, the technology is getting worse and worse. All right, uh, start from the beginning. Sorry about that. So, 2016, I moved to a rental property, and uh, they go under. They go bankrupt within half a year of the lease. Uh, company Z comes over, buys them out, and I move to a different property because the rent goes up, different pet policies, so I'm out of there. Second property I moved to, I'm there for about two years. After the second year renewal, same company Z comes over, buys this property out. And my question is, if I were to renew with company Z at the second property, would they try to back charge me? No, why would they? No, claim? no. First of all, you don't own the property. Second of all, you're, I'm assuming you're a leaseholder, correct? I'm a renter. You're a renter, yeah. And unless the lease uh, specifically says you are responsible for repairs, uh, then you're not responsible for repairs if it doesn't say that or it doesn't mention that. So, no, you're not responsible. You're fine. The only way I'm concerned is because when I moved out from the first property, I okay, just, uh, you know that's uh, I don't understand anything. These lines are so terrible. I just uh, can, can can barely understand it. Uh, Blake, I- I- am I alone on this one and not being able to stand all this mumbling? Uh, it's uh, it's getting pretty depressing. You know what? Let's play some music for a while. You know, because at least people can understand music. Now let's go on. All right, EJ. Hi, EJ. Hi, good morning. Yes, ma'am. Um, I paid a car loan off in 2013. I just recently found out I didn't receive, I haven't received the car title. I contacted the finance company, and they said, you haven't received the title because you there's a $1,300 uh, late fees, I guess, from the duration of the loan. I've never been contacted. The loan is like five years old now. It's not on my credit. Um how what are what should I do to yeah, get that title? See, there... that's a problem. Uh, is that uh, you're entitled to title, if you okay. will, and but they're the ones that are holding it, and they won't transfer the title to you. And are you trying to sell the pro, uh, sell the car? Correct. Yeah. So you got to mess on what your about, hands. What about the statute of limitations? Exactly. No, a... no, no. That's exactly it. Uh, they've got a statute issue. Uh, there, there are all kinds of problems they have. So. Uh, you, you have a couple of choices. You can pay the money under protest and let them know. You're, you, I would let them know that you're paying the money uh, based on the fact that they won't turn title over to you, even though you believe that uh, they don't have the right, but you need to sell the car. I, I'd put the, all this in writing. And, okay. and uh, then uh, you turn around and you sue them for the money back. Take okay. a small claims court. Uh, the, the important thing is that you have to have title. And, right. and they're holding right. it up. Correct. And what they're doing is extorting you. Okay. And uh, so you might even have a, a good lawsuit for extortion uh, where you're going for punitive damages. Well, it's only $1,300. It doesn't matter. Extortion is extortion. Oh, right. 
I would talk to an oh. I would talk to an attorney on this one just to see if there's anything going against this uh, lender. Uh, because but what kind of attorney? Uh, any civil attorney is fine. Civil attorney. Yeah, so any, you, I can find one on your website. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Yeah, just go to Thank handle. Thank you. All right, you got it. Yeah, I hate when that happens. Same thing happens with credit reporting agencies. Same thing happens with phone companies, with utility companies. They hold all the cards. They're saying, fine. You think you have a dispute? Okay. We're shutting off your phone until you pay us. Right? We're shutting off your water and power until you pay us. We're not giving you title to the car until you pay us, even though somehow we don't deserve it because the statute of limitations is run. This is Handle on the Law. And we're at hour number three of the legal show, uh, top of the hour, which means uh, that it's always the best time to call. We have some lines open. So if you would like uh, to scream at me and I scream back at you, 800-520-1KFI. That's 800-520-1534. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have no case. Now, for years, I've done uh, bestiality stories. For some reason, even though I don't engage, uh, I find them fascinating. Just what human nature is about and how depraved and perverted people can get. I just, I, it's like, you know, going past a traffic accident, you know, where there's major injuries. I'm the one that looks. You know, watching the Discovery Channel, all the surgeries and the gore, and I like that. I'm the one that looks. So... When it comes to uh, stories like this, I jump right on them. Now, I have done stories of usually men, actually almost always men, having sex with various kinds of animals. And I was just thinking, uh, the number one uh, kind is uh, dogs. You know, a lot of dogs, people have them as pets, etc. Then, for some reason, uh, chickens are up there. And I've never quite understood you know, the sexual attraction to chickens, but people have them. And then there have been one or two of deer, actually roadkill deer. Very strange. I remember a couple of stories like that. Well, this one is uh, probably the strangest one I have seen. And uh, this is in Washington. A man is accused of having sex with an injured beaver that a woman was attempting to save. So uh, a woman sees a driver run a beaver over on the road, uh, Richard Martin Delp. So she wraps it in a towel and then goes home for a box to put the beaver in then take it to the vet. So when she returned about half an hour later, she sees uh, Mr. Delp lying next to the beaver with his pants unzipped. Now, at first she thought Delp was trying to help the beaver. When she saw him lying with it, and then she realized, uh, oh, no, no, he's actually attempting to have sex with the beaver. Now, I don't know whether he succeeded or not. My guess is uh, beavers are, I would guess, pretty difficult to have sex with. They tend, I've, I've never done it, so they tend to thrash around, I would guess. But it was an injured beaver. 
So it probably couldn't do much. So by the time the police arrive, uh, the beaver is no longer injured. The beaver is dead. And he is arrested on first-degree animal cruelty and possession of a controlled substance. He's being held without bail. And both of those charges, incidentally, are felony. First-degree animal cruelty, um, conviction uh, conviction is a two-year jail sentence or can include a two-year jail sentence and a fine at $1,000 if it's a first violation. And the forfeiture of animals in possession and a permanent ban on owning any similar animals. So uh, he, if he has dogs or any kind of pets, uh, no longer, uh, he can no longer own uh, any other kind of pet like that, particularly dead beavers. And it's just one of those very strange cases. The case of sex with a dead beaver. No, that's not fair because the beaver was probably alive when he was having sex with it. Okay, enough of that. Why don't we go ahead and take a phone call? Fair enough? Sure. Sam. Hi, Sam. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning. I am a truck driver, and I have a question concerning whether or not I'm a contractor or an employee, um, and I've never owned my own truck. I work uh, solely for one company, and uh, when I went to the orientation, they had me sign a 1099 form. And I was wondering if that's legal. Nope, 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 nope. It is uh, you. Since you work for the company and they own the truck, you're an employee. And do they determine where you deliver and do they determine your hours, that sort of thing? Exactly. Oh, you are so you are so an employee. Right. And what happened is I got hurt last year. And their defense was that I was a contractor nope. signed a form. Nope. Okay. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's no, because you, you're going to argue uh, that signing the form was pure coercion, that they wouldn't give you a job unless you signed it. They're in violation right. of the law big time. So you are yeah. entitled uh, to uh, workers' comp, disability, and they're going to get nailed. You can just make a, a complaint to the labor board, and they're going to get nailed beyond nailed. All right, and one last question. The fact that the beaver got hit by the car, was that a mitigating factor in the guy's trial? No, it was not. It's not he hasn't been tried he hasn't been tried yet. He oh, doesn't okay. no, no. Uh his uh yeah. And what makes it even worse uh, with the beaver is I understand it was a particularly ugly beaver. I mean I can see a good looking beaver, you can have attraction to a good looking beaver, but an ugly beaver? No, I don't think so. Uh Victoria. Oh no, let's uh Eddie. Let's let's do you for a moment, Eddie. Hello. Hello. Yes. I have a. I'm I, I'm about to get a divorce. My wife and I are planning on getting a divorce, and at this point in time, she's telling me that I'm allowed to keep the house, that I can keep our house that we have together. If uh, since it takes about a month to do a refinance, if I have her sign something right now saying that the house is going to be mine, would she be obligated to sign the house over to me in the refinance? Well. Uh... <laughs> Yes, and she's obligated, but it doesn't mean she's going to. Because what you want to do is uh, you're relying on her agreement in writing to uh, go ahead and change uh, I change title to the house or a- allow the, uh, the refi. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, you can't force her to sign. All you can do is sue her after the fact if she doesn't. 
maybe you can get, uh, no, I don't think so, a court order that's going to force her to sign, but I don't think so. I think if she changes her mind, she changes her mind, and you let her know in, know in certain terms that if she just changed her mind, she's bought herself a world of litigation. But, but I would be able to, to sue her if... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, whatever damages. Yeah, I think so. Okay, perfect. Thank you All right, so yeah, and you hate her anyway, so what difference does it make? All right, now, Victoria. Hi, Victoria. Hi, good morning. Um, I got cited in a, um, for a writing, sending, or reading a text-based communication, which I was not doing. You're talking about, drive, you're I, talking about basically driving while texting, right? Yes, okay. I was not doing that. All right. And there's a very good explanation for why the phone actually, for a okay. split second, ended up in my, yeah. And also for not having my driver's license in my possession. I delayed in giving the driver's license, but I did have it. Um, there's also a good reason for that, and it's a matter of whether or not a judge will see my good reason or blow me off. That's exactly correct. It's a matter of whether the judge will see, uh, will look at you and believe you or not believe you. So what is what is your question? My question is, to part number one, what are the possible defenses I could have when Just going to court? To- exactly what you said. You plead not guilty, and you explain why you're not guilty. Okay. And they're going to put the cop on the stand who's going to probably do a whole different story, and it's up to the judge to uh, determine who is telling the truth and who isn't. That's the second part. I'm in San Bernardino, which is a jurisdiction that's notoriously corrupt for not, you know, listening to evidence. No, that's not, that's not, no, that's not corruption. That's uh, just notoriously believing officers versus believing drivers. Well, sure. And that is, by the way, most jurisdictions— because here's the philosophy. You have every reason to lie because you have all the skin in a game. Sure. A cop theoretically has no reason to lie. He's objective. Uh-huh. So from the beginning, you're going uphill. Yes. All right. So all you can do is tell your story and say, this is the reason and this is why I'm not guilty. And, see, and you know, judges do believe that once in a blue moon. So we'll see what happens. This is Handle on the Law. Yeah, all right. Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning right up until 11 o'clock. More Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. All right. Uh, Yeah, Christy, why not? Hi, Christy. Good morning. Yes, ma'am. Had a car accident. Okay, got it. So far, have a car accident, yes. About a year and a half, I was hit by an uninsured, unlicensed driver. He claimed to have insurance, but it wasn't valid. So um, I obtained an attorney. I wanted to see if I could get a suggestion or a second opinion. Um, second opinion? Wait a second. Second opinion about what? Well, it's because it's been a year and a half. Um, I had to use my uninsured policy. Right. That's exactly what they're for. Right. But the um, they're not wanting to pay for additional treatment. One of the injuries was a broken tooth, which became All right. a dental implant. All right. So they got it. So, they don't, so the, your own insurance company does not want to pay for additional injuries. Now, I'm assuming you haven't settled yet, correct? Yes. 
I have the minimum policy. All right. So I wanted to be able to go to court for the other money I'm going Can't to do it. You've got no, you've got the minimum policy. That's it. That's all you're going to get is the minimum. Are you, are right. you, now you have uh you have uninsured motorist and how much is the medical on the uninsured motorist? It's the minimum 15 there was only one person. All right, wait a minute. 15 that's liability. That's not uninsured motorist. That's the other side. You're you're, you're confusing here. You're making me confused. No, that's my amount. Fifteen fifteen thirty is your liability. All right. Then you've got your own medical uh, that the uninsured motorist pays. That you have a comprehensive policy. That's also the amount for. Okay. All right. Got it. All right. So. All right. All right. Well, that's okay. Fair enough. So you got fifteen thousand dollars in medical that the insurance company will pay, and uh, they're they're willing to pay for it. Uh, The fifteen thousand. No, it's two thousand med, fifteen for injury. You know the the whole case. All right, so I got it. All right, so I all right, good enough. All right, fifteen thousand dollars. Okay, now I understand. All right, so what's your question? So they're not wanting to um, pay anymore, so they told me I'd have to use my own money or my right. own insurance. They're not willing to pay any more than the fifteen thousand. Is that correct? No, they haven't offered that. They're not allowing me to. So, all right. So, what do you mean they're not allowing you? They're not allowing you to do what? To have the insurance pay, like for the other. Right. No, I understand. The insurance company is saying no. They're not willing to pay what you're claiming that you the erode. I get it. So, what's your question? The insurance company just says no. We're not going to pay that amount of money. We're going to give you this. Have they offered you any money yet at all? No, they have not. And this has been a year and a half ago. Yes. But you're, st- but you're still treating, correct? Yes. So, in other words, I have to pay for treatment. And there were other injuries, too, that I would have to pay on my own. All right. But they they'll but, anymore. They but they, they're not going to pay beyond the 15000 Right. They have not paid that or offered that amount. All right. Then, you, then what you end up is you end up suing your own insurance company under the uninsured motorist policy. Well, I was going to sue the person that hit me. I know, but what good does that do? Well, he was uninsured and right. didn't have a license. That, exactly. So where do you think you're going to get money from? Well, how much money do you think he's going to pay you? Uninsured, no license. I don't know, but my question is the SR1 I had filled out, and I was going to mail it, but when I met with the office, they took it and said they handled that. So I planned on filing SR-19 to have information. Oh, God. What? Why? You don't need any of that. You have it, you're already in, in touch with the insurance company. The insurance company has already accepted the fact you're not liable. Is that correct? Yes. All right. So yes. now you're only, ta- now you're only talking uh, the damages. And your insurance company doesn't want to pay 15000 bucks. Okay. So you turn around and sue them. Now, you can sue the other driver. Uh, who will, of course, not answer, or you'll get a judgment. And uh, then when you don't collect your judgment, then you sue your own insurance company three years down the road. So just go to your own insurance company and say, here, at this point, forget the other driver. Your insurance company will go after the other driver under a subordination clause. But what I just recently found out is they didn't even file the SR. It doesn't matter at this point. Yeah, I know, I know. But almost never are SR ones filed. And by the way, for people that don't know SR ones, you have to file if there's more than five hundred dollars worth of damages. Both sides have to file it, and with the DMV, and uh, who cares? 
uh, or with the state of California. I don't even know what agency you file it with. It doesn't matter. So let's get away from the SR1 because that changes nothing. All right. What you have is you have a driver who was uninsured. You have uninsured motorists that will not pay for the damages. Your policy is saying, no, we're not going to pay you that much. And they haven't made an offer in a year and a half. Right. So sue them. So you sue them. Has frame damage still. You sue them. You sue them. All right. What did I just say? What did I just say? What did I just say? What did you hear me say? Susan. That's correct. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. Thanks for listening. You're a wonderful human being. Happens all the time. Insurance companies say no. No, we're not going to give you that much. I want 5000 No, I'll give you 1000 But But what do I do? You sue them. Yeah, it's, believe me, insurance companies fight all the time. Fight on the uninsured motorists. You're fighting your own insurance company for damages. Or you're fighting the other insurance company for damages? Welcome to the world of insurance. Also, welcome to the world of hackers. Uh, Facebook just got hacked. Uh, Access uh, to 50 million people. How crazy is that? I don't think that there is a, a person in the United States whose information has not been hacked already. And so your identity is at risk. And, of course, all your devices are at risk. So for identity theft protection, I'm going to suggest uh, LifeLock. I've been a customer of LifeLock for over a decade, and they've pulled my chestnuts out of the fire a few times. And for protecting your devices, there's Norton Security. Now they're together. LifeLock is with Norton Security, and so it's identity theft and identity theft protection and protection of your devices, your phone, your tablets, et cetera, against viruses coming in. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor every transaction, every business. But LifeLock with Norton, you get even more security than before. Go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. Get an extra 10% off your first year, plus a $25 Amazon gift card. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK. 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the law. Um. Here on a uh, Saturday morning, phone calls, 800-520-1534. couple lines open, 800-520-1534. Back we go. More handle on the law, marginal legal advice. Hi, Patty. It's you, Hi. young lady. Yes, ma'am. Um, can you hear me? Yep. Um, I have been working for a school district in SoCal for 16 years. Um, I'm part-time. Actually, it's a little less than part-time, and they've done that so for this reason. Um, I'm getting ready to retire. When I have taken um, days off for being sick in um, the whole 16 years, generally I've taken a few uh, sick days and put them on the books as sick days, but uh, mostly I've accumulated them thinking that I could – Retrieve them at the end, either take a payout or um, take those uh, that time off prior to my retirement. Um, in looking into it, we're getting ready to retire this year. Um, I have over 325 hours accumulated, and I can't take any of it. And why can't you take any of it? Um, they say because I am part-time, okay. I've always worked less than 20 hours. Got it. So what's your question? 
do I have any recourse at all? I did, no. I, I, if if the policy of the school board and the policy in which you hired is that uh, people who work under 20 or 25 hours uh, a week or month, whatever it is, are not entitled to take their sick pay at the end of it, uh, then there's nothing you can do. That's their policy. And some school boards, some companies allow people to take sick days. Like police departments, for example, usually do. So yeah. uh, you've got cops that retire literally a year's worth of sick leave that they pull out early. And then there are companies and uh, there are entities that say no. For example, uh, my my company, the Center for Surrogate Parenting, it's a use it or lose it. Mm. Same thing, uh, I work for this radio station. It's a use it or lose it. Now, they said the only recourse I could have is if I had, because I'm PARS, that if I took a different um, government job that was over 20 hours. All right. I mean, whatever the policy is. Yeah. Then it could, because it stays with me, I guess. Yeah, okay. But it's whatever the policy is. You have to live within the policy. It is perfectly legal to have a policy that says use it or lose it. Yeah. As which I do. And I not only do I have it in my company, (laughs) uh, but I also live under it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, uh, it's, congratulations. Uh, there's no case here. Uh, Nick. Hello, Nick. Hey, Bill. Yes, so, sir. Uh, I'm renting this place, and uh, they got a new property management company. And so uh, they wrote in the uh, rules and all that good stuff that I'm supposed to sign for the for the complex that uh, we're going to be responsible for plumbing bills if we're found negligent in whatever our plumbing issue and our building's kind of notorious for having horrible plumbing. So I just kind of found that interesting. Um, if this turns into like a big problem in the future, is this something I could take uh, my landlord to small claims court about? Or uh, the, uh, uh, maybe, but uh, the first thing you're going to argue is you're not responsible. It, negligent. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. Is it wh- What can you do that would cause a plumbing issue other than block up a toilet, for example, or uh, I don't even know other than that, block up a sink or a toilet, uh, yeah, what, pipes undoing, uh, soldering, un, uh, just unraveling. So I don't quite get it. And uh, did you sign the agreement with a new uh, company? No, I haven't signed then it Then that's too bad. Then you say, no, thank you. I'm not signing. I'm not accepting this. Hmm. It's not a leasing agreement or uh, it doesn't seem to be a contract or anything. It's just agreeing to the rules. Yeah, but they're changing the rules, so you say, I don't agree to it. Now, if the Uh board says you're agreeing to it, you've agreed to it. Okay. Uh, And so I don't know if they're asking for individual owners or they're going through the the HOA board. If the the HOA board... I'm sorry. It's not an HOA. It's not an HOA. We're just an apartment complex. Oh, yeah. You say no. You say no. Not willing. And then they can evict you. If uh, you're in rent control, they can. And if they... uh, uh, if they evict you, they evict you. Here's the problem, though. If there is a plumbing issue inside your apartment, you've got to fix it no matter what, right? Because you're not going to yeah. let the water just flow. So you have to call a plumber. You have to fix it. And then I would go ahead and sue the landlord. Hmm. And the landlord is going to argue, oh, it was your negligence. Uh, uh, we'll look at this uh, because those are the new rules. And you're going to argue, number one, I wasn't negligent. Number two, I never agreed to that. Okay. So that's where you go with that. Uh, yeah. That's uh, fine. Living. Uh, it's the only thing that's worthwhile is to own your own home and then that's twice as bad. Living in an apartment horrible. Uh being part of an HOA god awful. Owning a property and not living in an HOA even worse.
It's all bad. You know, live in a tent somewhere. Isaac. Hello, Isaac. Hey, Bill. Yes, sir. Uh, so my wife was uh, involved in a car accident. She's re-entered on the freeway. Oh, good. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And uh, so uh, the insurance company that was uh, the person that hit my wife only has liability insurance. But my insurance is full coverage insurance. And uh, my insurance is taken care of uh, as far as the accidental Mm-hmm. Because the other insurance, they can only cover up to $5,000 in damages. Okay. So the question I have for you is, um, the insurance, since they won't cover the uh, the, the uh, bodily injury. Yeah, you're talking about the other, the other side won't cover bodily injury. Although if they have liability, they're going to cover bodily injury to the minimum $15,000. That's the minimum $15,000. Okay. Yeah, whatever so, they have. I mean, if there was insurance on the other side... And there is only, and they only have bodily injury. A lot of if they only have liability insurance, uh-huh. and they take the minimum, it's fifteen thirty, which has been fifteen thirty for twenty years. I don't know why they don't change sure. it. So you're going right. to get fifteen thousand dollars from the other side, assuming that there's fifteen thousand dollars worth of damages, and you know, Fair that, that bodily damage, and then whatever more than that you collect from your own insurance company under the your uninsured motorist, so you're fine. Perfect. And uh, fair enough. Here's another question for you. Here he goes where it's tricky. So my wife, while she's on the way to work, she went to another location that's also her work, but not she doesn't work there. And she went to go pick up an item under her free will without uh, Norton's consent. But they're paying her mileage to go pick up the merchandise for another customer. Yeah, it does. It doesn't so really. No, it doesn't matter because this is a third party. This is a third party okay. injury. Uh, she, okay. the, yeah, it's, it's, the only issue is if... Um, uh, she was, for example, in a vehicle uh, that belonged to the other company. And even then you could sue a third party. She's fine. Okay. Yeah, you're fine. She's banged up and uh, dealing with insurance companies. We have a lot of insurance company issues uh, today for some reason. Uh, well, we keep on going. This is Handle on the Law. Saturday, right up until 11 o'clock, Handle here. Right after the show, Leo Laporte from 11 to 2, and Neil Saavedra uh, with the Fork Report from 2 to 5 o'clock this afternoon. All right, back we go. More Handle on uh, the law, marginal legal advice. Uh, Israel! Hi, Israel! Hi, I'm here. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? All right. I was a pastor for 10 years. Um you know, and uh, I was I was with a pretty conservative denomination. Uh, long story short, my wife had an affair. Uh, the denomination did not care whose fault it was. If you're not able to lead the household of God or lead your own house, can't lead the household of God. So I was removed from the ministry. Wow. I kept my ordination. Uh, for two years, I was um, working back and forth through email, talking about getting, you know, reinstated as a, as a pastor. Uh, finally, two years later, I was given my termination notice, and the termination was in 2016. However, they backdated it to 2014, a day before my 10-year, where I would have invested in my pension. So I lost uh, my church, lost my wife, and I lost my pension. Uh, oh. Anything I could do, or am I just rude? All right. Well, first of all, uh, what denomination is this? Uh, uh, free Methodist. I'm sorry, Free Methodist? Yes. You know, idea what that is. Have you considered becoming, let's say, a Muslim or a Jew? <laughs> well, actually, I'm Messianic Jew, so I should just go that route. Huh? Oh, you, you know what? I love that because you know what they, uh, you know what people call Messianic Jews, uh, people that believe in uh, Christ. What's that? Christians. 
That's what we call them. They're not messianic Jews. Just saying, just throwing that out. Always had a pleasure talking about that. Uh, where enough. where you can do, uh, I think you can go for your pension because uh, that uh, knocking you off one day uh, is retaliatory and is predatory, uh, predatory. I mean, that is, I mean, they're just a bunch of bastards. They really are to do that. Boy, I'll mm. tell you, they sure have that Christian outlook on life, don't they? Uh, <laughs> they and do. yeah, uh, absolutely. Now, the issue of uh, their belief, if you can't hold your own house in order, you can't lead, you certainly can't uh, lead a, a house of God, uh, which is also a complete crock. If your wife leaves you and uh, has an affair, it's, somehow it's your fault. I love that. Man, that's another reason why. He ever thought of just switching uh, religions, Israel? I mean, this this is a tough way to go. It really is. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm sticking with it. Just uh, I don't like the people. I, I like God, just not the people so much. Yeah. All right. Uh, is uh, do you have a possibility of getting an, another uh, parsonage or uh, another church? You know, it's funny you say that. Actually, I was just approached by one of the new leaders that just stepped up in, in one of the higher positions, and they asked if I was still interested. And uh, I kind of wondered if if uh, if I did do that, if they would kind of take off the fact that they terminated me and kind of count me on 14 years now. That's the other issue is as you talk to uh, the new folks that you are uh, uh, considering going back to the church or at least having uh, a a church, uh, what, what do they call that? Uh, parsonages? Uh, uh, congregation. Congregation. That's the word. Yeah. yeah. Having your own congregation. You want to say, can I please be credited uh, with the two years so my pension kicks in? And have uh, not only a reinstatement, but credit for the two years. And if I were if, if I were them uh, or they, I would uh, I'd give it to you in a heartbeat because it's so unfair as to what happened to you. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, on the face of it, this you know the fact that you have a a good attitude about this. If it were me, I would have torched the church. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the issue is yes, I think you have a legal. Uh, right to go after the pension based on their actions. But if you can undo that with a, a new congregation and the higher ups on the church willing to do that, you're home free, Israel. You don't care. Matter of fact, you don't have damages. That's true. All right. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Sir. All right. Take care. Remind me not to join that church. If I ever convert, uh, I'm not going to be a free Methodist, I'll be a paid Methodist. I think so. Was that work? Yeah, that works for sure. Uh, Jay, there you are. Hi, Jay. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Handle. Uh, my question is this. I'm a consumer and a taxpayer. Um, uh, there was a $0.10 cents tax on plastic bags when you go to the supermarket. Yeah, there still is, by the way. Okay, but over here in Southern California, they're charging $0.50, cents, $0.75. Cents That's crazy. They're allowed, they're, I mean, they're not allowed to do that. I mean, they can if they tell you every bag is $0.75. Cents. Oh, they say it's bigger. It's bigger. They can do, yeah, fine. Whatever. They can they can charge more than that. I mean, they can charge whatever they, they can charge whatever they want for their products. They can also charge $15 for a box of Jello if they want. So what's going on here? What's the answer? What's the they're making more answer? money. Bring your own bag like everybody else does. That's it? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, now, I'm sorry? It was supposed to be just 10 cents. I understand, but I think they can charge anything above that. Now, it could be that they only charge 10 cents, uh, and uh, that's the way it goes. I don't know what the law reads. I mean, you can look up the law. That's easy. 
uh, just look up the statute where they changed it and just read the damn thing. You know, just uh, go on the Internet and, you know, know, 10 cents a bag law, mandatory bag payment, whatever uh, search words you want. But uh, based on if there isn't a law that says the stores can only charge 10 cents and they must charge 10 cents, then all they can do is charge 10 cents. But my guess is that there is a 10 cent charge and the stores can charge way beyond that. Wow. Yeah. So bring the, the answer is you bring your own damn bag. You When you go to the store, you ever <laughs> notice these people always bring their own recycled bags? Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, there's your answer. Right, a big legal issue on that one, isn't there? Oh, hey, can I sue them? Yes. Yes, I'll give you some lawyers. Uh, good lawyer, 600 bucks an hour. Uh, what does my lawyer charge uh, whenever I need legal work? Because keep in mind, uh, my expertise is it's limited, as most lawyers are limited in their expertise. And mine is insanely limited to third-party reproductive law, as you know. Uh, I, what's my lawyer charging? I just had an issue with uh, a lawyer. I, had a, I needed some uh, business documents. Uh, six and a quarter an hour. $625 an hour. And by the way, that's not off base either for uh, good lawyers. Some are 700 Appeals lawyers could be $900, $1,000 an hour. Senior na- senior partners in a law firm, you can run 900000 bucks an hour. So when you have to pay for a lawyer and a good lawyer, you have to look at whether you have a good case or not. And that's why I love, oh, it's the principal thing. I want to file a lawsuit. Okay, go. Go for it. You know, you'll enjoy yourself. And then the judge says, you're absolutely right. Thank you. The other side can't do it anymore, and you're out $15,000. This is Handle on the Law. And this is uh, KFI Handle here on a Saturday morning right until 11 o'clock. It is the top of the hour, which, of course, means uh, it is the best time to call. 800-520-1534. You know, I have a bunch of stu- uh, uh, televisions in uh, the studio. During the week, I look at these things. Uh, we all do. I look at the news. So uh, today, it's uh, I'm looking at a uh, air fryer infomercial. And they just pulled out this whole stack of onion rings. That looks so good. You know, I buy all this crap. You know that. It's just astounding. I've got a house full of this crap that I've used once or twice, and I just put it away, and here I am about to buy another air fryer. And what's hilarious, you know, all those pans that you talk about, you know, that cookware with the Teflon stuff and all the weird cookware, I buy all that, and I'm in the business I'm in the business of cookware. It's not as if I have to pay for cookware. And I still buy that stuff. Okay. Where were we? Oh, yeah. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, a, a word or two about the Internet. It's, it is the most extraordinary thing in the world. As a matter of fact... Uh, we're history is going to treat the internet as probably in the same level as the discovery of fire, the discovery of the wheel. I mean, it's going to be right up there in the history of mankind. And we don't even know where the internet is going to go. I mean, have no idea of the future of the internet 50 years from now. 
if we're still around or those of you that are still around, well, I'd be still around, maybe. And uh, you look down, we're going to look back and go, wow, uh, this is unbelievable. Much like uh, when computers first came out. Remember the first computers or the first home computers? No one ever thought it would be where it is today. So you can do some wonderful things. You also do a lot of negative stuff. Uh, All the racists, the neo-Nazis, they have a following because of the Internet. Uh, Presidential elections now are... uh, they're won or lost because of the Internet in many cases. And so you can do some great stuff, right? Crowdfunding, uh, raise money for charity. But you also do some pretty stupid stuff with the Internet. And my favorite, favorite you can do some really stupid stuff with the Internet, is uh, several years ago, just when uh, social networking started, so a bunch of years ago, there was a woman who graduated from Wharton Business School. I mean, that's the best business school in the country. She was top of her class and immediately got a job with one of the big consulting companies at $150,000 a year or whatever. And uh, she had been hired. And she, uh, and then her boss looked up her internet, her Facebook uh, page. And there she was in Mexico in a swimsuit sitting on top of some guy's lap with a bottle of tequila in each hand, guzzling it down. Goodbye job. So, let's move on to idiots that use the internet in ways that you never thought would be possible because no one is this stupid. There is a 17-year-old being charged as a juvenile has been arrested. He stole an AR-15 and tactical gear from a this is Florida, of course, a Palm Beach Sheriff's deputy's unmarked police car. And he was arrested by the police. Why? Well, because uh, he did a Facebook page. Actually, he did an Instagram live stream of him stealing the weapons and then dancing to rap music. Uh, Exactly, with the AR-15 in his hands. Two loaded magazines, a gas mask, taser, ballistic helmet, rifle clips, and let's not forget the AR-15 either. And, of course, based on that, the cops had uh, the probable cause to search his house, and all because he decided he was going to dance and show a theft live on the Internet. Geniuses! That's an issue where you want this part of the gene pool somehow completely removed from uh, from mankind. All right, let's go ahead and take some uh, phone calls, all right? Um, Karen. Hi, Karen. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Karen, you there? Did I do this right? All right. Let me put Karen on hold in case she ever comes back. And uh, Jeff. Oh, no. This is Terry. Hi, Terry. Yes. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I am. Okay. I'm a volunteer at Cedars-Sinai, and I made an acquaintance acquaintance with his um, assistant nurse there who lost her son, 19 years old, who was a great athlete. It was all in the news last December. He was hit on a bicycle by a truck on his way home from work. Ooh, that's a tough one. Okay. She uh, spent $13,000, which obviously she doesn't have. She's an African-American woman whose son, $13,000 for something she called a niche at the cemetery where you can look in. She had him cremated, had his urn put there, put a lot of his trophies and pictures and a gold ring that he um, was, I guess, given for his athletic prowess. She got a call at work a couple days ago that it had been broken into and that they had made a mess of it and they stole the gold ring. She called the cemetery 
and she asked what they're going to help her do, and they said, read the um, contract. She does not have the ability, nor would I or most people other than a lawyer, to read the contract. She's devastated. She does not know what to do. Who would you recommend? Okay, here is, uh, this gets a little bit complicated. Because uh, clearly her damages are pretty extraordinary. Except the police, there was a police report, by the way. Yeah, of course. I mean, it was a, a theft. I, I get it. Burglary of um, of uh, that uh, the niche or whatever. Right. So uh, she clearly uh, has been devastated. There's an emotional issue here, but how much is that worth? It's pretty speculative, and a jury would have to determine that, assuming that it goes to a jury. Okay. Uh, the other issue is the contract that she signed. And there it is. We're not responsible if someone breaks in. Mm-hmm. Well, she signed it. However, she signed it while she was burying her son. Correct. And then the argument is goes, wait a minute. No one in their right mind, uh, they don't know what the hell they're signing. Uh, it's uh, She didn't have the mental capacity at that time or the emotional capacity to know what she was signing. Correct. So I would argue that. Right. So uh, the point is, and what's it worth, incidentally? So the ring is out there. Uh, she's never going to replace the ring itself. Correct. Uh, so uh, what? What? it's money. What would she want? I think that part of it is, too, she said I could. she goes there twice a week and just looks in there and, you know. Yeah, no, like, yeah, I understand. So the point is, she says, you know, I, they have no cameras or any kind of, I guess, really good security there. And she says, I could have been sitting there and someone could have bopped me over the head. Yeah, they could have, but it's a could have, would have, should have. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, and uh, they don't necessarily have to have cameras. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's reasonable or not. And had they had cameras, that would have stopped the, the uh, stealing? Who knows? Exactly. Who right. knows? There you go. Right. Who knows? Right. So that, my question is, she's so devastated, and I said to her, you just got to... And the reason I said her story needs to get up, because when her son was hit by the truck, that was in the news. She didn't even listen to it. But I remember I said to her, you know, I remember that story. I heard yeah. it in the news. And right. she said, yes. So that's the story. I, it's, I, time to get, it's time to contact a lawyer. Yeah. I'd go uh, I'd go to a personal injury lawyer because this is emotional distress on a, a pretty high level. Do you think anyone would take it maybe. pro bono? Maybe. Well, it would be a contingency. It wouldn't be pro bono. It okay. would be con- for a percentage of whatever. Now you get to look for a lawyer. It. This is an, an interesting case. And uh, I don't know if there's anything close to it on uh, that have, that has been filed and won or lost. And this is where you start just talking to lawyers and see if any of them would be interested in this. It's so just what kind of a name? Where can we go? I mean, you can go to the handle on the law dot com. You can go to my website to start. Okay. And you'll and you want to go under the personal injury lawyer, see if there's anything there. If they all say no, uh, then you can keep on going out. And if five or six or eight or ten say no, then you don't have much there. I get it. All right. That's what I want to know. Thank you. So all right. Much. Yeah, it's a heartbreaker with uh, with the mom. That really is. And uh, when you talk about, what, $13,000 that she can't afford? But that's what happens when uh, a loved one dies and you're responsible for uh, getting, uh, figuring out uh, how to bury and what do you do uh, with uh, the family and arranging uh, the uh, the service, et cetera. Yeah, and you're not in your right mind. And the funeral directors, uh, and I'm not saying it's fraud, and it isn't, but... They're really into honoring your loved ones. And the more you spend, the more you're honoring your loved ones. Because they believe it. You know, whether they believe it or not, they sound like they believe it. So, it's a tough way to go. All right, uh, we'll come back. This is Handle on the Law. Jumpsuit, jumpsuit, cover 
Welcome back. KFI, this is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, hello, Mike. Uh, Mr. Handel. Yes, sir. Uh, I had a I had a $30 million settlement two years ago, sir. But uh, when I was about to move to San Diego, to La Jolla, California, someone filed a custody petition without any legal rights. And, and uh, they uh, he filed this petition under false pretenses. We found out he was lying, so we reported to police. But he stole my settlement. He stole my settlement money. Wait, wait, now, wait, wait. Hold on a minute, okay? Uh, yes. Someone illegally filed a custody battle. Just someone out there? Custody over what? Over your kids? Yes, sir. And uh, nobody who had any connection whatsoever to your family is just someone out there, right? No, sir. Okay, you have to explain this to me. Who was it that filed the custody action? This guy is a well-known scammer here in, uh, in California. Uh, I don't, but I understand, but they're not related to your family, right? That's right, but he was pretending to be a, a licensed uh, children's social worker. Uh, what is that? But wait a sec. That, a licensed show, social worker can't file for custody. That has to go through the state, and then a court has to uh, then give custody to someone. Is that what happened? That's right, but now he tried to uh, try to adopt my children, but he got—I mean, he got my money. He stole these. Funds. How did he steal? How did he? How did he steal your money after he got your kids? Even though it's a stranger, uh, and yeah. he pretended he did. He pretend that he was a cousin. Oh, he pretended he was a social worker, and then got custody. Yeah. By the way, it didn't go through Child Protective Services. It's just a guy who got custody of your kids, right? Right. Okay. So, how did he get your two million dollars? Oh, he he was start using my identity, so he stole me some. Ah, he he stole your identity, and the bank allowed uh, the transfer of two million dollars to whatever account, right? Thirteen million, but they they just thirteen million. I thought you said two million. No, sir, uh, thirteen million. But the bank told me that he lied to them. He, they they gave me some documents, like uh, and 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 also. All right, uh, so what's uh, your Mike? As crazy as this sound, what's your question? My question is. I have these police report. Uh, Sylvia's police department told me that the case was forward to the to the FBI for further uh, investigation. So my question is, what kind of uh, what kind of uh, uh, motion do I need to file in order to recover my children? And then I'll, then I'll get uh, my money later on. But I need my children back. Uh, this is a, so. Yeah. Do you know who has your children? Uh, yes, people that that works with these with these scammers. His name people. Is how many? How many? Man. How many people have custody of your children? Uh, actually, uh, three three persons, but there's several people involved. Okay, so there are three different people who have custody of your kids. Actually, sir, I went to court and they told me that there is no court order that this is always a scam. All right, and, uh, and, Mike, uh, Mike, Mike, let me ask you something. Yes. Uh, first of all, uh, did you take your medication today? Okay, this is very important. All right. Uh, sir, this, is, this is very serious, sir. Yeah. I no, mean, I understand. I understand. But do you have any idea? How crazy your story is, what a fruit loop you sound like. People you, like, people don't scam and get custody of your children. Three different people come in and the court goes, well, here you are, three strangers. Uh, you get custody of your kids uh, and because you pretend to be social workers. So they right. just walked into court and said, here we are, we're social workers and we want his kids, correct? Uh, actually, actually, when I went to court, the, the judge told me, you know what? 
This guy is the, the guy that, that stole $4 million from elderly citizens in, in, in Orange County uh, 10 years ago. His name is Jesus Hawaii Duran. So I was really surprised. Okay, and Mike, Mike, me, you know Mike, what? Mike, will, Mike, yes. Mike, you may be serious about this, but I must tell you, you are genuinely nuts. I mean, just completely crazy uh, on a whole different level. And the kids, I have no idea. I mean, I hope you get custody back with your kids, but boy, they're in a world of hurt. I'll tell you that now. Wow. Not bad. Not bad. I mean, I've had worse. I've had better. I mean, I wish an alien or two were uh, thrown into that story. I kind of like, you know, with the aluminum foil hat so they can't read your thoughts. And I'd like to see the FBI not investigating it, but circling your house uh, because you're selling secrets to the Chinese. That's a good one, too. This is Handle on the Law. KFI Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning, 800-520-1534. That's 520-800-520-1534. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, I've, I've noticed that I've been purchasing uh, cans and bottles and paying a CRV on it now for several years. In the area that I live in, the recycling centers have all closed. The closest one is like 20 miles away. So for me to recycle, you know, obviously I've got to drive 20 miles or put it in the trash can, the blue trash can for recycling. And then the trash company picks it up, but I have to pay them to do it. Is, is there All right, well, hang on a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Why is on a CRV you can't take it back to the store and get your money, or you have to go to a recycling center? You used to be able to take it back to a store when I was a kid. You okay, know, you buy a Coke bottle and take it back, and they give you a dime. And, and now you have now to take it back. Eliminated that. Okay, so you have to take it back to a recycling center, and it's a twenty-mile drive. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and, they, and there's only one in the entire city, Got it. so All right. the line is. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your question? Do we have any recourse about not paying this? Yeah, probably, but you're going to have to go to the state, and uh, the uh, law is probably going to have to change. It'll say you don't have to pay this. Here's the problem. What are you going to, what are you going to say? Uh, you don't have to pay a, a CRV tax if there's a recycling center uh, outside of 20 miles, for example. Is it going to be 18 miles? Is it 20 miles? And what happens if one right. does move in? You see, as unfair as it is, it is so impractical to do anything other yeah. than either charge or not charge the CRV. That's all. And right. Uh, right. unfortunately, uh, you're, you're going to lose your CRV money. That's the way it goes. Yeah, seems like we're getting taxed from every direction here. Welcome to California. <laughs> really? It seems like we're going to be taxed. Really? It seems like? Uh, come on. All right, Karen. Hi, Karen. Hi, yes. <clears throat> I uh, have a friend who has a brother and sister that he's not very close to and hasn't seen in years. The brother they can't even find. The sister recently passed away. And now whoever did the cremation or whatever is coming after him for $8,000. Well, wait a minute. Did he, did, he, did he order the cremation? No. All right, then why are they coming after him if he had nothing to do with it? That's what I would like to know because he's not he's responsible. He's he's not responsible. Okay. Yeah, it's just not. It's unless you are involved in taking the body out of the morgue and then moving it over to or ordering uh, a uh, a funeral home to pick up the body. It's and, and who did this? Incidentally, was it the state or I mean the county I, did the cremation? 
It was the state that did it. Oh, it's probably, well, the, it's the, probably state the state that came in. Yeah, it's probably the county. Uh, it's not, it, the state doesn't cremate. The county does. All right. So, yeah, no, your brother is not responsible. Just someone is trying to get some money. That's all. And okay. uh, it's just, yeah, it's a crock. Uh, you're not responsible for anybody's funeral expenses at all, ever, unless it is a child. Uh, unless it is, uh, I think, uh, where you have ordered it and say, okay, I'm taking the body out. But the rest, no, not, not, not after that. All right, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Bill? Yes. We, um, we feel like someone who has power of attorney over a family member is abusing the family member's finances. They're, they're using her money for themselves. And how do, you, do? How, do you, how do you know that? Because since they've had power of attorney, they've bought a new home, and they, they're they refusing to speak to us because they're okay. beginning All right. to question Fair, them. All right. Fair enough. And how much money uh, does the power of attorney person have control over? All of it. Probably at least five hundred to 700000 And a lot of it may be gone. So uh, what? Yes. Yeah. So uh, first of all, I try the police. And if not that, uh, a lawsuit. Uh that's uh, where, of course, there'll be a judgment against that person. And hopefully uh, the police will get involved because this is simple theft. That's what this is. This is stealing money. Uh, this is uh, and the argument is fraud became power of attorney under false pretenses. If you can get the D.A. involved, if you can get the uh, cops involved, that's going to help you a lot. Otherwise, you go to a trust and estate attorney and try to get what you can. First of all, the account has to be frozen completely. That's the first thing. Is, How do we do that? Yeah, do get a, you get a lo- yeah, yeah, yeah oh. I'd get a, I'd get a lawyer. This is this is one where it's uh, above your pay grade. Yeah, okay. you're gonna need you're gonna need a trust and estate lawyer to figure this one out instantly, and you want to get one like tomorrow kind of thing, and uh, make okay. a motion to freeze everything pending. And this is where you go into court uh, with uh, an emergency order, and. Uh, that you ask the court to freeze, which it, which the court will do, and then you start trying to figure out how much money this person has stolen uh, from uh, your loved one. Yeah, it's no fun when that happens. Oh, David! Hi, David. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'm a software developer, and uh, I developed some software for uh, CBS Studios. The actual it was a young wrestler show, and. Uh, Simply put, I just want to know if I have a case against uh, – basically, my cousin, which I do not have a contract with, uh, is the one that you know, uh, got us the deal. And uh, the contract is between Young and the Restless and my cousin's company. And I developed the software, and so we used to receive licensing fees every year okay, uh, for the software. And uh, – for like four or five years, I was receiving my payments, and then uh, one year, uh, last year, somewhere around October is when we'd get the payments. I didn't get my payment, and I contacted my cousin. I said, "Hey, you know what's going on with payments?" Make a long story short, basically what I found out was he went to his friend, and they were trying to rewrite the software, copy my code, basically, and give. Uh, CBS, a newer version of the software, and then basically cut me out of the deal. Yeah, how much money were you getting a year? So, uh, thirty grand was the leasing, and my cousin would give me twelve, and he'd keep. Uh, uh, actually, I got eleven, like eleven thousand eight hundred, and he'd so, keep the, you know, the difference. So, how did it work that he got more money than you? 
I was an idiot in those. Okay, so I there's no good reason for him to get more money than you. You were just an idiot. No, okay. Because in those now, now in those four years, I just want you to know, I was the one that they always contacted to support the, the software. I would go and do the upgrades. Right. Okay. So here, so the bottom line, you get to sue your cousin, and your cousin's defense is going to be, uh, "Gee, we don't have any signed contract." Your argument is going to be, "Yeah, but then why did if we don't have a signed contract, why did you pay me?" Uh, over four years. Okay, but what if I, what if I don't want to sue my cousin? What if I, I so what I did is I, I, I spoke with CBS Studios, Young the Restless, and I explained them the situation. Unfortunately, they're caught in the middle. But I told them, listen, I own the copyrights to that software. Okay, so and, and all right. right, and right now you're so, you're infringing on those copyrights. Well, actually, not because there was a contract uh, that they have, and it's not CBS that's screwing you; it's your cousin that's screwing you. And uh, someone has a written contract, and you're saying there's a written contract between your cousin and CBS, correct? Yes, and so, yeah, but so, in that contract, there's nowhere, there's no clause, there's nothing that states I'm releasing my copyright. You have, but the the point is, is that you're allowing him to use it. It's not a question of releasing the copyright. It's a question of we have a deal. You can go ahead and use it, a verbal deal. You go ahead and use it. So what do you want to do? If you can't sue the cousin, what what would you like? I want what I want is CBS to stop using my software. I, I don't know if you can, st- you can stop it. Now, you can make a motion to have CBS, and then there's a lawsuit about interference with a contract that they may have. But I tell you, you go ahead and sue CB, uh, CBS. You've got, a, you've got a world of hurt. And what are you going to do? You're really? going to send them a decease and desist saying you can't use the software anymore because uh, yep. I'm being ripped off. And they're going to say, we're not ripping you off. You talk to your cousin. But I don't want to sue my cousin. Well, that's too right. bad. Yeah, okay. Yeah, basically, basically it's a lot. Why wouldn't you want to sue your cousin who's screwing you? David, you know, because it's gonna because it's gonna cause more family problems. I believe, you know, uh, I don't know. Okay, uh, you you are an idiot a- across several different levels. Oh, it's gonna cause uh, family problems. Is someone stealing, uh, stealing from me? And uh, I want to go after the wrongdoer, but I can't because it's gonna cause family problems. Someone they're gonna get upset with me, not the ripoff artist. <sighs> All right, I mean, it is what it is. This is Handle on the Law. If you feel it, could you let me know? And uh, this is KFI Handle here, right up until 11 o'clock. And uh, welcome back to Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Uh, Danny Ray, there you are. Hello, Danny yes. Ray. Yes. Hi. Um, what I have... Ah, oh, come How on. Oh, you? God, I hate these lines. All right, let's try it. Uh, let's start again. We just lost him. You know, there should be technology out there that overcomes this. Wouldn't you think by this day and age? I mean, we can send a guy to the moon. That doesn't even work anymore. The last time there was a guy in the moon was in the 70s. So that's kind of stupid. So we're going to be able, we can send a guy to Mars, right, at some point. So if he calls back, he calls back. All right. Uh, hello, Chris. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Chris. Bill. Yes. There's a new tax law that allows me to amend a tax return from 18 years ago. It's uh, to get a refund of taxes paid on military severance pay. 
back then I was married to uh, someone that I cannot locate now. She's uh, hiding from having to pay child support. So I have no way of, of contacting her, and I haven't heard from her in like 16 years. I don't know how to amend a tax return that was joint with only one signature. Uh, there, there has to be a way of doing that. Uh, because if the law allows someone to file an amended return 20 years later, 18 years later, uh, there's a, a decent chance that the other partner, the spouse, uh, is not around. Either can't be found uh, somewhere out there, uh, remarried, died, whatever. So uh, there there has to be a way within the rules of the IRS because uh, the IRS is pretty good about issuing 5,000 new rules every other minute. So the trick is to find an accountant, a straight-out accountant who understands these rules. And now, when you file your tax returns, do you have an accountant, Chris? Yes, yeah. Have you asked your accountant about this? Yes, and he wasn't sure of any way to do it. Then he has and to, I have an I have an appointment with the IRS on Friday. Then that is Monday. Yeah, that's the Can best way. <clears throat> I'm glad you're asking me because of my vast expertise with t- <laughs> not only this isn't tax law. Uh this are tax returns and of course, uh you know when I have a complicated problem, do you think I sit and research you to look it up? No, I go to my accountant, Chris, just like Always. you did. Now what you did is you went a step beyond and that is what I would tell you if your accountant doesn't know or several accountants, you make an appointment with the IRS. And you yeah, sit. He you, might have suggested that I actually just sign it myself and uh, maybe no. her signature just magically appears. No, no, you know, I, I, would, I, don't know if I, I don't know if I would do that. I don't yeah. know if I would do that. What I would say to the IRS is, do I have to find her? And uh, then I will. Then I'll go to extraordinary lengths to find her. And yeah, that's what I would about- 70 grand behind a child. Right, that's another issue. And you may add this to and it. You, and, and you may be able to get the whole thing. Okay. Based on the child support order. So uh, the magical signature, uh, she's, she's still entitled to half of that. Yes. Now, there could be a way where, and this happens all the time with child support, the IRS holds off. I mean, it'll grab people's money. Yeah, our case is in that that stage right now where tax returns are supposed to be surrendered. Okay, so you're halfway there. Definitely time to talk to an IRS agent. And and if the IRS agent doesn't know that rule specifically and, and it doesn't have any experience or uh, doesn't really understand that, you go to a supervisor and you ask for someone who understands what's going on because this is pretty obscure stuff. And yep. it's not as if uh, an IRS agent who doesn't uh, understand this is incompetent in any way. I mean, if you ever look at the IRS code, if you ever look at the Internal Revenue Code, these are phone books thick with hundreds of thousands of rules. Yeah. And you're not normally supposed to be able to amend after three years. Well, they've changed the law. I would, and, If you had asked me, yeah. I would have said no. But if yeah. they passed a law that is uh, different, then we're in great shape. It's for military veterans. Yeah, obviously. On severance pay. Yeah. All right. So, it's so pr- any it's... of them out there should get their return. So we're talking about a very narrow, narrow description of a very narrow group of people. And yeah. so you simply need someone who understands it. And you're doing everything right, man. And there's nothing more I can give you other than you're doing everything right. Also, let me tell you about LifeLock. Here's something they do right. And LifeLock protects your identity. And, of course, another hack. This was Facebook. 50 million accounts. Oh, of course. Why not? There isn't a person in this country that has had information hacked already. I mean, it just doesn't exist. So 
Uh, I've been a customer of LifeLock, and I'm suggesting you look at them, too. Uh, I've been a customer for 10 years, and they've uh, saved me from identity theft uh, a couple of times between me and my daughter. And here's what they've done is they've added Norton Security to their program. LifeLock protects your identity. Norton Security protects your devices against virus attacks. And if you have a problem with either one, uh, they will work to fix the problem. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat or prevent all ID theft or monitor every transaction, every business. But LifeLock with Norton Security, that's some serious enhanced protection. Go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, and you'll get 10% off your first year plus a $25 Amazon gift card. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK and use the promo code HANDLE. 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. And uh, this is uh, Bill Handel. Welcome to uh, KFI. All right, we're going to switch gears a little bit here. Uh, what I'm going to do is uh, talk about the vote that's coming up uh, within a couple of hours for the Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who will be uh, confirmed as the next associate uh, justice of the Supreme Court. And then we're going to probably go through one break, and then we'll go back to uh, handle on the law, resume the phone calls. And uh, obviously, this has been so insanely contentious. I'm going to spend a few minutes talking about it. And uh, what this has done is we talked about the polarization of the politics of this country. This is the epitome of the the polarization of the Republic, the right and the left. When you take a Supreme Court nomination and it just is ripped in half and it all has to do with politics uh, and even whether or not the um, the claims of Christine Blasey Ford were legitimate. And this is an interesting one because you can't call her a liar. The Republicans can't call her a liar. So what they did is they brought it to we believe that something happened to her. We think it did happen. We don't disbelieve it. Yes, she was accosted. Yes, she. there was an attempted rape upon her back in the high school days. We just don't think it was Brett Kavanaugh, that she just has mixed it all up. We're talking about memories that go back, what, 30 years? Yeah, 30, 35 years ago. And uh, people who have had these traumatic instances happen to them, these traumatic sexual uh, affronts, assaults, uh, just get it mixed up. Uh, and it's no fault of their own. It just so happens you forget dates, you forget specifics, as she forgotten what house it was, how many people were, weren't there. And uh, so, of course, the argument to that is, uh, really? Now, you can forget the date, but you're really going to forget an assault, a sexual attempted rape? Uh, no, nah, you're not going to forget that. But the point is, that is what it came down to. So she was believed, he was believed, and off we went. Now, where are the politics on this? Well, uh, clearly, uh, he is going to join amongst the most conservative justices, change the outlook of the court. Gorsuch didn't change much. Neil Gorsuch is just as conservative. Matter of fact, he may even be the most conservative justice, but nothing happened. He was replacing Scalia. 
the most conservative justice, so you replace him with one of the most conservative justices, and you're at the same place. 4-4 with one swing vote, and that's Kennedy. Kennedy retires, and now the replacement is either another moderate or a liberal or a conservative. Well, this is Donald Trump land, and which way you think it's going to go. So he goes ahead and nominates a very, very conservative judge. Even from day one, before the allegations were that came down, there would still be a huge number of Democratic senators who would vote no. Uh, he's already been qualified. No one is arguing his credentials. No one is arguing his background. I mean, uh, Yale undergrad, law school, 12 years on the bench, having worked uh, ext- throughout all of government, perfect public service reputation, and now he's going to be sat on the Supreme Court. Makes it easy. Should keep politics out of this. Is he qualified? Is he not qualified? That's where it should go. However, it's really about Roe v. Wade more than anything else to the greatest extent. To a lesser extent, gay rights, uh, certainly, and then uh, voting and then environmental issues and uh, the uh, government having less power. It's that's all sort of small potatoes relative to Roe v. Wade. That is going to be the tough one, and that is the tough one for liberal Democrats and women. Very tough, uh, which is why you have uh, the women senators. So many of them would have voted against uh, Kavanaugh under any circumstances. So confirmation is happening. He got through just Barely got through, 51-49. And the only thing that is interesting, it went down party lines, except for two instances. Lisa Murkowski, Republican, voted against him. Right? Joe Manchin, Virginia, Democrat, voted for him. Susan Collins, Republican, voted for him. So the only real issue was Lisa Murkowski and Joe Manchin. And they, in fact, uh, they just broke even on that one. Right. They just uh, there was they, they might as well might as well not have voted. They zeroed each other out. So it all boiled down to who controls the Senate. If you're talking party lines. Well, the Republicans control the Senate. And this is 5149. This is as close as it has ever come. As a matter of fact, the last time a justice was confirmed on this close a call was 1881. That's how crazy it uh, it became. And so what are the changes we're going to see? Well, obviously the court is going to go in a direction where Roe v. Wade will not be overturned on its face. Uh, Even Kavanaugh, who is about as conservative as they come, has said and said to Susan Collins, uh, Roe v. Wade is settled law. And therefore, I'm not going to overturn it as a justice. The conversation didn't continue on with Susan Collins saying, but are you going to gut it? Are you going to uphold the attacks on it? The death of a thousand cuts, nimble away. That conversation didn't occur. Or if it did, we're not aware of it. Or if it did, 
And Susan Collins was satisfied with the answer. I'm assuming he went in that direction. So you will see Roe v. Wade gutted. You will see LGBTQ rights uh, lim- uh, not eliminated. It'll still be there. It will just be reduced. You'll see environmental protections uh, being reduced fairly dramatically. Uh, those are the big ones that everybody's concerned about. Uh, First Amendment rights are going to be reduced. Of course, uh, Second Amendment rights, it really doesn't even matter because Second Amendment rights are so entrenched now that any law that's passed is just little bits and pieces. Can you do bump stocks? Yes, no. How big can a magazine get? Well, it can't be any more than 10 bullets as opposed to 12 bullets. It's all very small potatoes. Uh, So why is it, incidentally, that uh, we don't have a 60-vote rule? on these nominations normally it takes 60 votes to put a supreme court justice over the top which is why their controls are so strong that's why there is at least some kind of compromise in which there was none here why did that happen well because of the 60 vote rule which forces a compromise well that changed in november of 2013 it's called the nuclear option And uh, the uh, Senate voted to eliminate the 60-vote rule on executive branch nomination and federal judicial appointments, right? Uh, Except for appointments to the Supreme Court. Uh, That is stayed. That's always been 50 50 plus one. And uh, so in April of 2017, the Senate Republicans used that option to eliminate all exceptions, even Supreme Court nominees, because Neil Gorsuch failed to meet the requirement for 60 votes that ended the debate. And to end the debate, you still need 60 votes, a three-fifths majority. But uh, here's the way they got through it. There is something you can do, or the Senate can do, called cloture. Cloture is a vote that says the debate is ended. Otherwise, you have a filibuster. Filibuster means that the other side can go on and talk and talk and talk, and it just keeps on opening with no end. I mean, there are some great stories of filibusters that have gone on for days, weeks. And you have senators that are filibustering, standing up, opposing a nomination or opposing a bill that goes through, and these and the senators will spend four days up there. The rules are you have five minutes to go to the bathroom. Otherwise, you're up 24 hours, day in and day out. They got to reading the Bible, the phone book, reading from uh, Charles Dickens. It didn't matter. Anything to keep talking. So we're going to see a new court. It's here to stay. That's what's happened. It's uh, 49-51, the closest vote. Well, only one other one was 49-51. That's going back to 1881. And be prepared for a very conservative Supreme Court. That's what's going to happen. All right, that's the latest. So come Monday when we come back and start doing uh, the morning show, uh, we will. We might even have uh, Justice Kavanaugh. We can now call him Justice Kavanaugh. Or we will be able to uh, come Monday. We'll be sat. Uh, we'll be sitting on the bench, and uh, we'll put on the robe, and we'll be taking the notes. You know, the youngest member of the court, uh, the junior member, actually always takes the notes and gets the coffee. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, they're the ones that get coffee for everybody on uh, sitting in the bench. Because when they sit in the room, uh, it's totally secret. No one else is allowed in there. There are nine justices 
in their hearing room or in their deliberation room. All right. Uh, We'll take a break, come back, and we'll go right back to phone calls on Handle on the Law. This is uh, KFI AM 640. This is KFI AM 640. We're stimulating talk, Bill Handle, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handle on the Law. Hey, Jerry, welcome to Handle on the Law. Bill, I had a a small claims case about a week or so ago. And I brought the case, and basically it was kind of dismissed. It said that the plaintiff, the defendant, did not owe me any money. But I don't believe that it's possible for that. And I talked to small claims advisors, and they said I could bring – the only thing I could do is go to Ninth Circuit Court to file an appeal. I'm trying to find out if that's possible. You know, I don't even know if you can file an appeal. Uh, well, first of all, the Ninth Circuit is a federal court. That's for starters. It's not the appeals court. And uh, I don't know when someone is going to take it up, where they would pay attention to a small claims decision being dismissed. Uh, and they can do it all day long. And by the way, it wasn't even dismissed. I understand the judge actually heard it and simply give you no money. Is that correct? Oh yeah, well the judges can do that. Where what violation? Uh, what violation took place where the judge said, "I don't believe you should get any money"? Well, the the defendant was basically asking me for money as when I filed for bankruptcy, and I asked another attorney if they're filing a case against me. When I asked for bankruptcy, do I have an opportunity to file against them? And they said, "Yes, you do." So that's why I filed against them. So if we have equal ability to file against each other, I don't see how there could be no change of money. Well, because maybe the judge, and again, if the judge simply goes squirrely on you and says there's no money, that that's the judge. I mean, small claims courts always do crazy stuff, and uh, they leave it alone. The court system leaves it alone. But if you want to file the appeal, how much money are we talking about that uh, the judge owes you? I mean, that the uh, defendant owes you? It was for 10000 Well, Okay, and you're not going to do an appeals for $10,000. It's going to cost you more than that. And the appeal will cost me more than 10000 Oh, yeah. Appeals are crazy. Yeah, appeals are thousands and thousands of dollars. And the argument is, and I don't know what legal argument you're going to make, because if it's simply the judge uh, going squirrely on you and making a decision he shouldn't have made, uh, you know what? Uh, the appeals court are going to go, you know, we wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't have ruled the same way. So the only thing you can do is on a procedural matter, and that is that he shouldn't have taken the case or dismissed the case uh, during a bankruptcy in which it was uh, in violation of the bankruptcy laws or whatever. It has to be a it has to be a procedural issue in which, as a matter of law, the judge was wrong. You know what? I think now did he when he did he just did he rule that the defendant doesn't owe you any money after the trial was over? They said. The judge said she would make a decision and send it to us. Okay, and she ruled, and she ruled that the defendant doesn't owe you any money. Correct. Okay, and uh, and you argue that he did, and the judge said no. So, what exactly are you trying to appeal? The judge was wrong. That the the judge only mentioned during the case that she was going to look up if I had the ability to file against. The defendant, and the, they were filing against right, me. Right, and the judge dismissed. And the judge dismissed it. Or did the no, judge rule a statement that had a checkbox that said the defendant didn't owe me any money? Yeah, but that's see that that gives you any defense. It doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. Judges, what if the judges simply didn't believe you? That happens all the time where you say this guy owes me $10,000. Here's all the proof and you have it nailed. And the judge says, I just don't believe you. Well, then why would the, the judge say I'll have to check? If because I that's it doesn't it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So the judge goes back and he checks and, or, and says, oh, well, okay, you have the ability to sue. I'm still not going to give you any money. You've got no place to go on this one. What you really have is you disagree with what the judge said. You should have given me $10,000, Your Honor. And the judge says, I don't believe you. And you're going to appeal that? There's no appeal. And just because the judge said, I'm going to go back. And by the way, where was the court reporter? Because there isn't one. That's correct. So when the judge goes, I don't know what he's talking about. I never said that. Or I don't remember ever saying that. So where do you go with that one? Well, I heard the judge say that. And the judge goes, I don't remember that. Now where do you go? So that means that I should have filed a Superior Court case? Maybe. Maybe. But the judge could have said no to that one, too. The Superior Court case. Maybe. But that costs Is you it money. Possible that it's dismissal without prejudice. Uh, it depends on whether. No, it's it's done because a, a judgment has already been rendered, and that's why I asked you initially: was it dismissed, or was it that the judge simply held that the defendant did not owe you money, and that's a judgment? I see. And if it's a judgment, you are it's you're done. Now, if the judge dismissed it without prejudice, you can go again. It's like it never happened. But you're not, from what you say, uh, it's uh, it was not a dismissal. It was a judgment that was rendered in which the judge says, you get no money, Jerry. So I can only ask the judge to review her decision. Yeah, that's right. You can go for reconsideration. But, you know, what's the judge going to do on that one? You can make an argument. You go, Your Honor, I want you to reconsider based on the evidence. And look at this. This is what I presented. And uh, I disagree with you because this is all the evidence and the defendant had no evidence. And maybe the judge will go, you're right, because judges don't pay attention to the evidence. Let me tell you something about small claims judges. Uh, it, a lot of them, some of them are really careful and they take their job seriously. Other small claims judges, and it probably wasn't even a judge. It probably was a lawyer who volunteers as a, as a judge. It's 90% of the uh, the cases. It was an actual judge. I stayed later for that. Okay, so you asked for a judge. You actually asked for a commissioner. Yes. And then it's a question of how much evidence was presented and whether the uh, judge wanted to look at it, and was it the middle of the night when the judge looked at it, and maybe uh, the, the judge, it was a woman judge, so maybe her husband didn't want to put out that night, and she was in a really surly mood. I mean, I don't know. You don't, you don't know. You don't know. But the bottom line is uh, you're sort of done. Uh, that's just another way of saying it. No case. Congratulations. This is Handle on the Law. It's you. This is KFI AM 640. We're stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handel on the Law Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, hey, Dave. Dave, welcome to Handel on the Law. How are you doing, Bill? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Okay. I, my question was, I had a work uh, injury, and um, I didn't uh, file it right away, but I did have an attorney that picked it up, and it went to court. And then they wanted uh, the entity to settle with me out of court. It was against two different insurances. The stipulation was they had to pay me within 30 days after the court, the judge issues a court date. One of the insurances paid on time. The other insurance took 90 days. They were showing their arrogance. 
and then they paid me in the stipulation and also said if they didn't pay on time, there would be penalties uh, for them not paying on time. All right. Did Were the, pen is, were the penalties uh, specified in the court order or in the settlement? Yes. All right. And how, how much are they going to pay you in the penalties pursuant to the settlement? It doesn't necessarily break down how much they would. Oh, in the settlement, they, it wasn't that much. It was, in the settlement, it was only uh, $6,000. Okay, that was the penalties, right? That was how much they paid me. It didn't say how much the penalty. I asked you, is, I, you, know, you know what? I asked you, was the amount of penalties specified in the settlement? You said yes. Now you're saying no. I'm sorry. Uh, I I'd have to, I don't have the paperwork. In okay. Front of me, but so I, do you know, was there a specific amount that says if we don't pay you on time, th- this is our penalty? No. Then how do you figure out what the penalties are? That's what I was calling you to ask. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What would you ask for? I... I was asking if I had a case because maybe, maybe, but the problem is, how do you? What do you ask for? Oh, uh, I was just asking if I had a case. No, I understand. No, no, but I'm quite. No, the question I have is still legitimate. What would you ask for? You're in front of a judge. They have breached the amount of time. Uh, They had 30 days to pay you. They paid you within 90 days. There's a penalties clause that says if they don't pay you within uh, 30 days, penalties will accrue or there will be penalties, which is kind of bizarre that it was that open uh, because uh, I don't know why anybody would agree to. We'll pay you penalties, but we're not going to tell you what penalties and you don't know what penalties. So that one's weird. But what do you what do you think that's worth them breaching uh, the uh, the the time that they would uh, that they did pay you? Well, you know, the word accrued, I, I don't know how they break it down using that word. Okay, well, th- th- but they obviously didn't break it down. What would no, you ask didn't. for? What do you think it is worth that they should pay you by not paying you on time the first time around? Um, I, if I would, I would say, what, ten, fifteen thousand. All right, so uh, there was a $6,000 check. They paid you 60 days late. And you think that's worth ten to fifteen thousand dollars? No, I'm I'm saying if there's penalties accrued, it's been almost two years. Ah, they ha- wait, wait, they the- haven't paid. Wait, you didn't say that, did you? They it's two years and they still haven't paid you. Exactly. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay. okay, now that's that's a different story. That is a very different story. So now you can ask for interest, and um, uh, you know, again, I don't know what it's worth on a $6,000 uh, settlement that you've agreed to, that they haven't paid you within two years. I think it's worth something. But you're going to have to come up with some figure. And you say, penalties, uh, here it is. They'll pay a penalty. And I'm asking for, because you have to come up with some figure. And the problem also is, uh, what lawyer is going to take this to court? No lawyer. unless the attorneys that represented me, every time I call them, they just say they'll get back to me. Yeah, and they don't because there's no money in it. There's no money in it for them. So yeah, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because you can't go to small claims on this because no small claims judge will make a determination. And uh, you, that's a tough one. Unless there's an attorney's fees clause in the settlement papers. And if there is, then maybe you can get a lawyer. Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, what do you do? What do you do? All right, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. You're up. Welcome. 
Hi, Bill. Um, I'm a robotics technician, and for a hobby, I actually build uh, sophisticated uh, UAVs and drones, basically uh, flying robots, if you will. And um, I build them at my home, and I'm flying out of my backyard, and I live in a, a suburb, so houses are close together. And um, my neighbor is actually starting to complain about privacy issues regarding these flying robots because I'm now starting to put uh, cameras on board these drones and flying them to uh, close schools and whatnot. And he's claiming the cameras on the air, these aerial drones, is unconstitutional. No, they're not. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad he's made that decision. And tell him, good for you for having uh, been appointed an appeals court judge. And uh, when when did that happen? And I want to send you a congratulatory gift because, frankly, <laughs> what does he do for a living? Do you know? Um, I actually, I, I actually have no idea. What All right, but personally. but you do want to you do want to congratulate him for having reached uh, the level of an appeals court judge. Uh, I don't think there's any cases on it, and I don't think there's a right to privacy because everybody knows that drones overhead. Uh, you can take aerial shots all you want. Google Earth takes aerial shots all you want, and you can go right down to the backyard of someone. True. I mean, but and I so, what, and so, what, what, where is the argument that it's unconstitutional and somehow an invasion of privacy if you're doing exactly what Google Earth does or any uh, aerial camera up there, a helicopter, and or someone doing a survey? What's the difference? Well, that's a good question. It's actually a big difference. Now, I've been doing these drones for a year now, but it's only recently where I've been putting. Yeah, no, I understand. No, I get it. No, I get it. But more than a camera bill, it's actually um, what's called a first-person video, which means I'm receiving the video live time, so I'm looking into the eyes of the drone, and in theory, I can actually fly into his backyard and peer through his windows. Well, peering through the windows is peering through the windows is different. Peering through the windows is a different thing. And that's not what I'm doing, but he's claiming that's possible. Sure, it is. It's also possible for you to take a pair of binoculars that you own. And uh, peer into his windows and look at his naked daughter. Therefore, we should take away your binoculars because owning those is a violation of uh, his constitutional rights. Okay. So he's out of his mind, is what you're saying. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's taking any legal decisions. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? File an injunction against you saying that you're not allowed to take a camera and fly overhead? The fact that you can doesn't mean that you are. Hmm. And he would have to prove, number one, that you are peering into his house. And that's the other story, is uh, I don't think that's illegal. Because if I stand in my house, all right, let's say I'm 200 yards away and I live up on a hill and I'm looking down at the house below me, and there it is, uh, again, the daughter or the, you know, the crazy daughter who's a real, the daughter who's a real slut, decides that she is going to undress in front of a window I'm not allowed to look in that direction. I'm not allowed to peer uh, with my if from 300 yards away. I have to make sure that if she's naked, I can't even look. Okay. Yeah, I it's like a, you know just congratulate him for being an appeals court judge and making that constitutional argument. I like that. I like that a lot. This is handle on the law. Welcome back. Forty more stimulating talk. Bill Handle here. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hey, Chad. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Question. Question is: 
I have a first and a second mortgage. The first is about four fifty. The second is about a hundred. So a total of five fifty in liens on the home. Value of the home is about four fifty. So that whole second is pretty much for the most part underwater. If I stop making payments on that, does the second lien holder have any action, or do they have right to? Oh, sure. Can they foreclose on the home? Absolutely. They can absolutely foreclose on the home because they have a secured interest. The problem is that the first lien holder gets paid off first. So effectively what happens if the second lien holder uh, goes ahead and forecloses, uh, what the second lien holder is doing is paying off the first lien holder, making sure that the first gets uh, all the money. But, yeah, okay. yeah, you're, uh, yeah you, they're not going to just sit there and wait while you go through life and not pay the second. Okay, so the second can take action. Yes, yes, the second can take action. Action, A lot of fun, right? Hey, Mark, welcome to Handle on the Law. Mark, you there? Hello. Yes, sir. My question is, my parents uh, built my grandmother's house out of hawk. She was about to lose it, and uh, they put up $85,000 to get the house. She passed away. There's another family member that's uh, on the on the deed to the house that doesn't want to cooperate. So what are they? What are legal recourses? Ooh, they have? here's the problem you have. Uh, it's Mac, right? I apologize. Here is the problem you have. Someone else owns the house, and what they did is probably legally gave your grandmother eighty five thousand dollars, and it's a gift. In the meantime, someone else owns the house, Mac. Even even if one of my parents name is on the property that's different than someone else and the parents own the property or the estate okay so uh you've got uh, boy you're far away from the phone where uh, are you speaking 10 feet away from the receiver oh, i'm sorry about that okay the um whoever owns the property owns the property so now who uh, okay you've got uh the brother or the relative who owns the part of the house and you have your family member that owns part of the house correct both their names are on the deed. Is it joint tenancy? Yeah. Okay. If they're both around, then one of the parties can sell, force the sale of the house. But that's it. Okay. See, Grandma, any connection to Grandma does nothing because she doesn't own the house. Now, it can be argued, well, it's kind of a tough one. You can make an equitable argument that we gave her 85 No, I don't think even that's going to work. I think it's going to be considered a gift to Grandma. So, uh, uh, bottom line, what do you do? You do what I did with my grandmother when she was around, when she needed money. Tell her to go pound sand. Why should I help you? Because you're my grandson. I care? What? That's going to make me want to give you money, Grandma? She wouldn't talk to me after that. But you know what? That's okay, too. Hello, Brian. You're up. Oh, hey, Bill. Yes. Um, about 12 years ago, my father-in-law died, and he left the, his house to my wife and her brother. And so my wife was renting a couple rooms over the years, and now my brother-in-law is so whacked out on drugs that she can't get anyone in the house. And so my situation, we know that we have to sell the house. There's no way this can go on like this. How do we set my brother-in-law up? brother-in-law up on, like, say, a monthly allowance because he is not capable of, of well, having $200,000 yeah, in uh, it, So here, it's real simple. You force the sale of the house. Right. If he's not signing off, you simply force the sale, which you can do with uh, a partition action, lawsuit for partition, and the court will give it to you. And right. then he's getting half the money. 
There's no way. There's no way around it unless you go in. uh, That is, your wife goes in and gets a conservatorship over him. But I got to tell you, he's people are allowed to be drug addicts. They're allowed. They're allowed to take all their money and spend it on drugs. Yeah, but it's what we see down the road is that this is not going to end up good. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's an adult. He has the right to destroy his life. Brian, right. I understand where your heart's coming from. You're trying to save his ass. I get that. And it's someone that right. you guys care for and her brother. No, it's a wonderful thing. But bottom line is he can destroy his life. He has that choice. Okay. And uh, now, unless he is willing to allow your uh, his sister, uh, your wife, a conservatorship, would he be willing to do right. that? Yeah, that's up to him. I don't know. Yeah, well, there's the, and there's the answer. There's the answer. Other than that. Uh, what you get to do is simply sell the house. Now, what you might be able to do is then maybe take the rental money. Why can't you rent it? Because he's inside the house? Yeah, he's in the house, and he's temperamental. Yeah, you can't, and you can't throw him out. And you can't throw him out, Brian, because he owns half the house. Right. So all you can do— yeah, you kind of stuck. Yeah, you are stuck. And here's, uh, here are your choices. Forcing the sale of the house, getting half the money— your brother getting the other half of the money, going through it in two years, and then what you have is a drug-addicted brother-in-law who has no place to live and has no money because he's pissed it all away on drugs. That's what you're going to yeah. end up with. I understand, but that, there's nothing you can do. That's the law. You can't stop adults from destroying their lives. You simply can't do it. All right, we shall return. This is Handle on the Law. 